Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, because God is coming into the world. God is barging into your life tonight, friends, ready or not, here he comes. Remember playing hide-and-seek when we were kids? Anybody still play hide-and-seek? Yes? Love that game. So when you're it, right, you got to go over here, and you close your eyes, lean against the wall, and you count. Now, how, how high do you count? 10? 20? We used to count to 20. I guess when I na- my neighborhood, the kids were slower. It took longer to go high. You count to 20. Those are slow kids. You got to give them time. So they're going to hide. All the kids are going to hide. And I'm going to count to, to 20. And when they finish counting, you got to give warning, right? You yell. And what do you yell? Ready. Ready or not, here I come. Seems to me Christmas is God's version of hide and seek. Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. Here we are all hiding in sin and in the darkness of this world, and God sends a Savior to come find us, to come find us. Ready or not, here I come. And you know, it's interesting to me, friends. I was thinking a lot about this week. He's, he's not really asking our permission. He's not saying, well, you know, do you want me to come? Is it okay with you? He's saying, look, ready or not, here I come. I'm breaking into the world. I'm coming into your life. You know, Christmas is what we might call an interruption, an interruption. And I wonder, is there such thing as a joyful interruption? Is there such thing as a joyful interruption? Like when you're out playing baseball with your friends, but your mom makes you come in and practice the piano instead. It's an interruption, but is it joyful? Is it joyful? Is it just an unwelcome distraction from what you really want to do? Or is it perhaps a moment to experience the greatest good news of all time? Or when you're sitting on the couch and your best friend comes over and shoves him or herself like right up against you, right? Like right in your personal space, right? Or when you're laying in your bed and a child, or even better, multiple children come into your bed And they help themselves to that tiny sliver of space that was previously unoccupied. And they wedge themselves right in there next to you. And you're like, hey, I was here first. And they're like, here I am. Aren't you glad to see me? It's a joyful interruption, friends. Or maybe you made some plans. And and I'm not talking about like little plans, like a picnic in the park. I'm talking about big plans, grandiose plans, like going to college or retiring early or taking that once in a lifetime trip. And you've got everything laid out. Everything's perfect. It's set to the T. And then bam, God shows up and God says, nope, nope, nope. It's not going to happen like that. And you say, but Lord, I've been planning and working on this for my whole life. And God says, I have something else for you in mind. It takes some level of humility and trust to sing joy to the world in a moment like that, doesn't it? Joyful interruption. Two words that usually don't go together, right? For most of us 
at least. Right? So we're going to find out who are the spontaneous and flexible people here tonight and who is like normal like me and everybody else, okay? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, but for real, I'm thinking of the, the spontaneous, flexible people amongst us. There's a precious few of you for whom this phrase resonates deeply because you say, yes, I love an interruption. Okay, so I'm thinking about those of you who, um, if your best friend calls you tonight and says, hey, tomorrow, first thing in the morning, let's get up, let's drive to New York City and go see the lights and go see Christmas in New York City. You, I'm talking about the people who would say, you know what, better yet, let's go tonight. Let's go tonight instead. Now, how many of you, that describes you? Okay, good. There's like 11 of you. Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. Friends at home. Now, my brother, he's in the front row. This is him. I thought of him because, you know, he and I are opposite, right? I'm like playing it out, and he's like, hey, let's go for it. So we can learn something from you. We can learn because we need to learn to be flexible and spontaneous, right? We need to learn how to treat interruptions as occasions of joy. Because let's be honest, most of us, we do not think of interruptions as occasions of joy. We think of them as annoyances, right? We think of them as obstacles. These are the things that get in the way of what we're supposed to do or what we want to be doing. And yet, God shows up in this way at Christmas time. Imagine the first Christmas, how it was for Mary and Joseph. Was it a joyful interruption, do you suppose, for Mary and for Joseph? Matthew 1.18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, that's a biblical euphemism. Do you know what that means? I don't need to explain it to you, do I? Please don't make me explain it to you. Oh, I almost had to explain it at the 3 o'clock service. Thankfully, they got it. Uh, she was, uh, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Have you known, friends, nothing messes up your plans like an unplanned pregnancy? Yes? Wow. Whoo. Can you imagine Mary trying to explain the situation to her family? Can you imagine Mary trying to explain this to her parents, her deeply devout Jewish parents who were committed to the way of faith in every regard, especially in their sexual ethic? Hello? Can you imagine Mary trying to explain this to the ladies at church <laughs> or to her friends in the neighborhood? Can you imagine Mary trying to explain this to her fiancé, Joseph? Mm, mm, mm. What if you were Joseph? What would you do? Think about it. How would you handle this, friends? Now, it's interesting and it's, it's very gratifying because if you keep reading the story in Matthew 1, you can see exactly how Joseph handled it. And it seems to me that his initial reaction is very understandable. So he tries to be gracious, but Joseph is going to protect himself. And I think if we're honest, probably most of us would react in a similar way. Self-protection, and let's make sure I do what I need for myself, and let's make sure that my plans and my life and my future is taken care of. So the very next verse, it says this, her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. So Joseph is like, Mary, look, I care about you, right? No disrespect, but I didn't sign up for this, Mary. 
I'm not going to throw you under the bus, right? I'm not going to blow you up on social media. But Mary, this is clearly not my child. So, you know, we hadn't even been together yet. So uh, good luck. You know, best wishes to you. Godspeed. But, I'll, you know, I'll catch you later. Can you blame him, right? I mean, that's, that's a reaction that probably a lot of us would have. It's so very human. It's so very understandable and relatable. But then God interrupts again, verse 20 and 21. But just then, when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So now God gets a hold of Joseph, and God says to Joseph, look, brother Joseph, I know this was not in your plans. I know this is not what you wanted. Yes, people will ridicule you. Yes, they will talk about you behind your back. Yes, they will make all sort of terrible assumptions about you. But I have something bigger in mind for you, Joseph. I have something important in mind for you. You are going to raise a son, and he's going to save the whole world from their sin. God is including Joseph in the plan. God has a purpose for Joseph's life, and he's challenging Joseph to see the situation not through his own eyes, but through the eyes of the Lord, the eyes that God will give to him. That's how it was for Mary and for Joseph, an unexpected, perhaps terrifying interruption, which turned out to be the most joyful interruption that we could imagine, enough joy for the whole world, right? Joy to the world. But how about you? How about you? Is this a joyful interruption? I mean, if you're imagining yourself in this situation, does this feel good and exciting? Uh, When God changes your plans... Is that pleasant for you? Are you delighted or are you annoyed and perturbed and frustrated? Be honest. Be honest with yourself right now. Be honest with the Lord right now. When you had planned to play baseball, but God calls you proverbially to practice the piano instead, how does that go for you? You know, one of the amazing things about the song Joy to the World is that those who dare to sing it take God at his word. Those who believe the words of this song, the story that it tells, dare to trust that Christmas is, in fact, a joyful interruption. Joy to the World was written by a guy named Isaac Watts, and his inspiration for the song, the words of the song, came from the Old Testament, from Psalm 98 in the Bible. And Psalm 98 in the Bible says this, "'Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music.'" Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Sing and shout and celebrate joy to the world because the Lord has come, because God is making his salvation known to you, because God is revealing his plan. It's unfolding right before you. He has done marvelous things. The God of your parents and your grandparents has remembered his love for you. He has not forgotten you, 
And now he is unfolding his salvation plan before your very eyes. On Christmas, the God of heaven is reaching down to reach you. To touch your life and to save your soul. And we say, oh Lord, you know it's impolite to interrupt, Lord. That's what my mama taught me. And this is not really in my plan. This is not how I intended it to go. Brothers and sisters, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to look and see that God's plan of salvation for your life is better than anything you could have planned. I'm begging you to look and see that God's plan of salvation for your life is better than anything you could have dreamed of. Christmas is for you. And God's plan of salvation through the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ, is for you. So get ready. Get ready, because ready or not, here He comes. Jesus is interrupting your world tonight. One of my pastor friends, he has four kids, and they're all grown up now. But it wasn't that many years ago when they were little, and they were all at home. And so it was my friend and his wife and four kids, six of them, in the house together. And this particular year, it was Christmas time, and the household was buzzing with enthusiasm. Have you noticed, friends, that at Christmas time, children display a certain indescribable energy? And it's some combination, I think, of candy and Santa Claus and time off school that makes them just lose their minds. And then their parents lose their minds. And so it was that kind of time at my friend's house. In fact, it was two days before Christmas, uh, which if you're keeping score at home, that's one day before Christmas Eve, which if you're keeping score at home, you know that's a big day for a preacher because Christmas Eve is like the Super Bowl, right? Everybody comes out. You got to bring your A game. You're trying to make a good impression on people because we know there will be guests and we're so glad our guests are here tonight because we want to make a good impression on you because we want you to come back. And more importantly, we want you to believe this story that we're telling about the birth of Jesus. So my friend, it's the day before Christmas Eve, and he's finishing the Christmas Eve sermon, and he's in his study, and he's typing away, and he's working, and he's writing the perfect Christmas Eve sermon, right? That's every preacher's dream, the perfect Christmas Eve sermon. But even though the door to his study is shut, he can hear these noises coming from the other side, And the children are wound up with the Christmas crazies. They're running around, jumping off the furniture, bouncing off the walls, chugging the eggnog. They're scarfing down the last of the Advent calendar chocolate. And so he opens the door and pokes his head out. Children, I love you. Shh, got to be quiet now. Daddy's trying to work. So he shuts the door and he goes back to his desk. And it's quiet on the Western Front for about like 45 seconds, right? And then they're back at it again. And so he goes back out again. Kids, I love you. Shh, got to be quiet. I'm trying to focus, please. And so he goes back to his desk. And they're getting louder and louder and louder. And his temper, his patience is getting shorter and shorter and shorter because he's feeling the pressure of all these people going to gather on Christmas Eve. And he's going to stand up in front and have to say something good to them. And he wants to leave a good impression. And yet the kids are taking every ounce of patience and grace that he has. 
And can't they see that he's trying to do some important work? And finally, he can't take it anymore. And he storms out of his study with the slimming the door open. And he takes each child, grabs them by the arm, and sets them on the couch. Child one, child two, child three, child four. Four children all in a row. And with wagging finger and furrowed brow, he reads in the riot act. And he tells them, he lets them know how big of a disappointment that they're being and how disrespectful it is, and how rude it is to interrupt their dad when he's working. He's doing very important work. Well, now the children are whimpering and crying and wishing that mama would come and rescue them. And so the lecture had the desired effect. Uh, he, he let them know he means business, and it was their job to be quiet so that he could work. And so he went back into his office with as much fury as that which, with which he had come out. And he sat down at his computer and he stared at the blank screen. And then he realized what he'd done. And now it was his turn to cry as he realized that the perfect Christmas Eve sermon was now a joke. And he buried his face in his hands. And he bawled his eyes out, and he wondered how he could be so foolish. What kind of pastor was he, anyway, when he couldn't even be a good dad to his kids? And a few minutes later, there was some rustling outside the door, very soft, but some whispers. And under the door, from the outside to his study, came several pieces of colorful paper with drawings on them, crayon art and the handwriting of his children. And he bent down and he picked up the paper and he read it. And it said, we love you, Daddy, and we forgive you. And with more than a little humility, my friend opened the door and there were his children staring up at him with tear-stained eyes and they ran and they hugged his legs and they let him know everything was going to be all right. And so that year, my friend never did get to write the perfect Christmas Eve sermon, but he did have the perfect Christmas. It did not go according to his plan, but thank God that it didn't. Turns out Christmas really is an interruption, an unexpected, unanticipated disruption in our plans, like a piano lesson that teaches us the greatest good news of all time, like children distracting you from your very important work, like an unplanned pregnancy designed to reveal the glory of God. Ready or not, here he comes. A joyful interruption for sure. Let's pray, friends. Almighty God, who else but you could have dreamed of such a creative and extraordinary way to save the world? Lord, on this Christmas night, we are reminded that our plan is not your plan, that our ways are not your ways, and that yours are higher than ours. Lord, fill us with the kind of joy that no person, that no circumstance can ever take away from us. All because you have interrupted our lives with the birth of your Son. And we pray in his name. Amen.